We're going to be talking a little bit about inheritance this morning. In Ephesians 1, 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus that he, when he heard of their faith, that he could not stop giving thanks for them. He says it like this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Someone say hope. We would know the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Isn't that so good? We would know the glory of the inheritance God has for each one of us. And like I said, we just celebrated Easter, and we have to know that there is something so powerful that God has for us, not in a future date, not just when we get to heaven, but in the here and now. And I am so convinced of that, that the Lord was revealing to me and, and, and showing me something that I believe is going to bless you. That is my prayer. That's been my prayer all week, that there's something that God has for you that's going to bless you. And so we are going to camp out in Acts 1. It is the story of the giving of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Luke is writing a letter to a man called Theophilus. And what's really cool before we even begin is that Luke, that word, that name means light bringer, and Theophilus actually means friend of God. So think about the book of Acts as light being brought to the friends of God, each one of you, amen, and each, and me too, right? Light being brought to us. And so picking up in verse two, this is Jesus and the um, amazing picture of what is about to happen. So Acts 1 verse 2 And it sounds like this, he, Jesus, he also presented himself alive after his suffering. Can I get an amen that God is alive? This is why, (laughs) this is why we give, right? We're not giving in memorial to someone who's dead. Our our gifts are, are signifying that we are worshiping someone who is alive, currently, presently alive. Amen. So we are, right, so Jesus presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking to them things regarding the kingdom of God. So 40 days has passed. Gathering them together, right, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which Jesus is now saying, you have heard from me that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now in, now we're moving on to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to verse 37. So the disciples have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've had that amazing, incredible the picture, the image that we see in Scripture is the Holy Spirit descending literally like tongues of fire on each one of them. They start speaking in tongues. They go outside. There's a huge crowd, over 3,000 people, and the Bible calls them devout men from every nation under heaven. Can you even picture that? Isn't that what heaven's going to be like? Literally every nation under heaven, this incredible crowd, they hear the apostles speaking to them in every language represented in that group. And after hearing Peter then gives an incredible sermon about the death, suffering, and resurrection of Jesus, the amazing, amazing picture, the amazing, amazing moment that has changed each one of our lives as well. And so when the crowd hears this incredible testimony about who Jesus is, Jesus is the Messiah, they ask the very logical question of brothers, what do we do? Like any good meeting, right? You want your, you want your to-dos at the end. What are our action points? Brothers, 
what are we going to do now that we've heard this amazing sermon? Peter replies, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will, someone say you will. This is an important point. You will receive the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we think something special has to happen before you receive the Holy Spirit. My Bible says, if you've received Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? You will receive the Holy Spirit. That's part of your inheritance in Christ. So again, we're talking about almost this picture of a last will and testament. And when we think of what Jesus thought was so important to leave, the disciples, the people that had ate with him, traveled with him, seen the miracles, seen the incredible suffering on the cross, been reunited with him, all of it, the one thing that the God of heaven wants to leave his disciples before he goes, or after he goes, excuse me, the one thing he wants to leave them is the Holy Spirit. And he even tells them, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, remember this crowd that Peter is is preaching to, the 3,000 who then get saved. Peter is telling them, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are going to just spend a really quick, just a very quick detour about repentance because I think it's important. And I don't know your, your background. I grew up proudly charismatic. I can do a camp meeting like the best of them. We could be here till 6 p.m. And I'd be like, yes, this is dance up and down the aisles. That's my background. I don't know. You're, apparently not everyone grew up like that. It's very interesting to me. Not everyone is prepared to prayer to midnight, but it's fine. Um, so based on your background, when you hear that word repentance, some things might be going through your mind, okay? And so I'm here to tell you to the best that the Lord gives me the ability what the Bible says, what the scripture says about repentance. And so I challenge you to do this. If you go into this verse and you look up the word repentance, it does not mean lashing yourself. It does not mean a hunger strike. It does not mean, right, like lots of tears and sitting in a corner with sackcloth and ashes. That word means to change your mind. To change your mind. To change your mind. To believe that God is for you when you believed God was against you. To believe that you don't have to earn your way into heaven because somebody already paid the highest price, right? To believe that salvation is a free gift given to you, not because salvation is free, but because salvation has been paid for. Does that make sense, church? Amen. So we can do all the penance in the world and still believe that we have a God that's against us. And I am, I am here to divorce you from that feeling right now that God loves you or he wouldn't do what he did. And he wouldn't continue to wrap his arms of love around you every single moment of every single day. Amen. So we are thinking about the idea of the Holy Spirit as our inheritance, but there's something so interesting again, right? Jesus does not just say, you're being given the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. The the Lord uses the word baptize. You are about to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I want you to wait for it. And if you've been part of our church family before the pandemic, or even if you haven't been, you probably have either seen or can imagine what a baptism looks like. I thought the same, right? And so again, going into the scripture, seeing what that word really elucidating, giving us the, the picture of what that, world, that word really looks like, there's a few definitions. The first 
like we probably would expect, is to immerse or to submerge. There's a picture of almost like a sunken ship, right? Dipped and submerged into something. To cleanse oneself, that's another definition, by dipping or washing to be made clean, right? And then these are my two favorites, to overwhelm. That the sin, that the brokenness in your life is overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. I love that. I just think that's so great. And then the root word of baptized literally means to die, like to dye a piece of cloth, that it would change color. And I immediately thought of Easter and Easter eggs and how we dye these eggs, right? But they're not the same at the end, right? The color has changed. And, and just like that represents a change, the entrance of the Holy Spirit into your life represents a change, right? You are not the same that you used to be. And now contrast that with what Peter said, okay? Peter is saying a very similar thing, but I want you to catch a little bit of the difference here. He tells the crowd, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're talking now about the name, being baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, and so we could talk about the name of Jesus all day long, right? There are, there are not enough hours in the day. There are not enough days in the year. There are not enough years that we have to talk about the name of Jesus. But I want you to think a little bit about your own last name, right? What that means. And for me, it means that I'm part of someone's legacy. And for you, oh child of God, you carry the name of Jesus, And that means you carry the authority, the power, and access to the resources of heaven itself. That as part of that name, as part of that lineage, you are a different, right? We talked about change. You are a different person than maybe you were even five years ago or 10 years ago. And that is evidence of the name of Jesus continuing to overwhelm every aspect of your life. Now, we, I gave you some pictures about water baptism, but I really want you to think about this as in what happens when somebody says the sinner's prayer. I think it can be hard sometimes for non-Christians. They're like, I, I just said like a 10-second prayer, like nothing has changed. What do you mean, Victoria? Like I feel the same as I did before. You might feel the same, praise God, that faith is not dependent on feelings, Amen. You might feel the same, but I want you to know that when a person, man, woman, or child, receives Jesus, gives their assent for the Holy Spirit to come, for the name of Jesus to surround them, they are literally immersed in that name. They receive a free gift of righteousness, which means a person has been changed from bearing the penalty and guilt of sin into a person who bears the authority and power of Jesus Christ. Who believes that in the house this morning? That you used to be, right? You used to be a person who bore guilt, shame. That was your calling card. You now are somebody who bears the authority of Jesus Christ. And you have access to those resources, whether you know it or whether you don't. And this is the biggest lie I think the enemy tries to tell us, right? That even though you've said your, you've said your prayer or, or you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been praying, but there's no change. There's nothing happening in your life. And I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. You used to be a sinner. You are now a child of God. And there's nothing that you can do to change that. You're welcome. Amen. That there is, right? That if... If you, right, if a person who is a sinner 
if they are willing to accept the incredible gift of Jesus Christ into their life. There is nothing that they can do to change that. And I say that because just like when you were a sinner, right, you couldn't do anything but receive Christ. Once you've received Christ, the power, the presence, the amazing gift of salvation overwhelms everything about you. It changes you right? Just like a caterpillar, they used to be crawling on the ground. They used to be, and when they get transformed into a butterfly, they can still crawl on the ground. They can still do whatever, but they do not stop being a transformed thing with the power to fly. Does that make sense? They don't stop being the thing that God has done and purposed in their life. And so you might still sin. I am the first person to tell you in my own life, right? We all fail. We all make mistakes. But heaven will never see you as a sinner again. That you will always be a child of God. And so the verse that has just so rocked my world as I was preparing for this comes from Galatians 3.27. And it says, therefore the law, this is referring to the Ten Commandments, therefore the law had become our guardian literally like a child escort or a supervisor to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, somebody say that faith has come. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a supervisor. We are full sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized, say baptized. All of you who were baptized into Christ by faith have clothed yourself with Christ. And so we've learned two things so far, right? If you have been baptized and immersed into the name of Christ, if you have received the incredible gift of salvation, two things have happened. Number one, you have received the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You have received the Holy Spirit. And number two, you have clothed yourself with Christ. You, child of God, have put on Christ. Think about that for a moment. You have put on Christ. Jesus surrounds you changing your thoughts, your words, and most importantly, he's writing his desires on your heart. This is why we don't have to be married to a system of rules, of do's and don'ts, of do this and you'll get good, or do that and you'll get punished, because the Holy Spirit literally, the Bible says that no, everyone will know me from the least to the greatest. How is that possible? That God is in each one of us teaching us himself how to walk, what to do, how to love, how to be a blessing, to bring up good works to God, but not good works that are sourced from us and our limited ability, but good works that are sourced from heaven. His empowerment to do good and to bless others and to love well on the earth. God is both in you and around you, enduing you with his power and sourcing you with all kinds of life. And this is amazing for me because, again, I told you a little bit about my upbringing. And because of this, right, my pictures, I was saved at five years old, my pictures of the Holy Spirit were a little bit scary, like a little bit terrifying. Because basically what I would see on TV, and you can imagine like the highlights of Christian TV in the 90s, I feel like I'm getting some nods, some people were there, they saw it, right? Somebody would receive the Holy Spirit, they'd lay hands to someone and they drop to the ground. And I was like, are they dead? Like, what has happened? Are we okay? Like, what is going on? And that, for a five-year-old, 
very scary. And so I don't know if I necessarily want the Holy Spirit, if that is what's going to happen. I can say I have witnessed that. That is a powerful um, human response to the Holy Spirit. That is an incredible valid thing. That isn't my experience, I'll say. My experience with the Holy Spirit, as I have gotten a little bit older, feels like, and I'm reminded of Elijah when he's in the cave. He's like super angry because things have just not gone the way he wanted them to go. Long story short. And so he's in the cave and there's a fire that goes by and there's an earthquake and there's wind and all of these things. And then the still small voice of God. And that has been my experience, church, the still, small voice of God. What Practically, it really looks like the, the presence and absence of peace for me. So as you know, child of God, that you have been given a peace that passes all understanding. So your default should be peace. So this isn't necessarily like I feel peace in the midst of chaos. This is where I'm always at peace. And when I'm thinking about an action or I'm thinking about doing a specific thing, I feel almost like, like a, like a tight feeling or like a scratchy feeling. And I know that my peace is being disrupted and that the action that I'm thinking about doing or the words that I'm thinking about saying, that's not the Holy Spirit, right? That's me. And so again, there are so many things about the Holy Spirit that even me, myself, all of us are on a journey in learning. But I, 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 get, I continue to be convicted about the goodness of God And that is how he demonstrates his love towards us. So there is a picture in Zechariah 3 where a prophet sees a vision of the high priest at the time standing before the Lord, which we understand is Jesus, his pre-incarnate appearance. And so the prophet Zechariah sees a vision of the high priest at the time before Jesus, and Satan is at his right hand accusing him. And uh, the Lord, Jesus, rebukes Satan. He rebukes Satan, and then he tells the high priest, the attendants around the high priest, the high priest is clothed in rags and filth and dirt. And Jesus tells the attendants, take his filthy rags off of him. And then Jesus says to the high priest, see, I have taken your guilt from you, and I will clothe you with clean, beautiful garments suitable for your office. And I wonder if that's not us too. The Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests. And that so often I think the devil is trying to create in us a picture of us in our shame and our guilt and our failure and our mistakes and our mess ups. And that Jesus is defending us. And child of God, you have to see that he has removed your guilt, your shame from you. And he has clothed you in his righteousness. And we can know exactly what voice we're hearing if when we fail, we think things like, oh, oh no, I have to do something good to get back on, good, on God's good side. Or, oh no, God is so angry at me, I failed again. Or how can I never get this right? Why do I keep failing in the same area? Look at what I've done. How can I keep doing this? And when you hear that voice, you now know that you're hearing the accusation of the that that's not God's best for you. That you're, you're, <laughs> you are surrounded in the robes of righteousness. Your failure and sin have been put off of you and you've been clothed in Christ. You have been clothed with Christ. 
you wear his beauty and you wear his loveliness at all times. You keep standing in his righteousness and those waters of redemption continue to wash you clean. His love and favor, they surround you and they protect you like a shield. And they, they, they uh, protect you and they wage all attacks of the enemy, all attacks of the evil one. And so in just a few moments, I am going to pray. If you don't know this amazing Jesus, today is your day. That you have a new birthday that God has for you in heaven. That your rebirth starts right now. And I would be so honored to be able to pray with you. And at the same time, if you have been a little unclear about what this Holy Spirit thing, what all of this means, I can tell you in one sentence, because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so if there is a gift that God would say is better than me being on the earth, it's better that I leave that you receive the Holy Spirit. That's a good gift in my book, right? That's a gift that where Jesus in all of his glory could only be in one place at one time. Whereas the Holy Spirit, he can be everywhere with all of us at the same time. And so if you want, if you want that amazing gift, I want you to have it. I want, you already have the Holy Spirit, but to be baptized in his power, to be strengthened by his spirit, to be surrounded by his love and to know it, to be conscious of it. I want that for you. So if we could bow our heads right now. And while your heads are bowed, I have to say during worship, I saw a vision of Jesus like the lame man at the pool of Bethesda who was waiting for the angel to put his hands on the water, to trouble the water, and the first person who got into that pool would be healed. And I saw Jesus just like he went to that lame man at the pool, going to each one of us in this room. And if there is anything that you need, if there is a breakthrough that you need, if there's a healing that you need, if there's a, if there's a rebuilt or mended relationship that you need, I believe that the Lord is coming to you right now in your situation to meet that need. He's our incredible servant king, that all of heaven, everything, all power and authority is given to him on the earth. And yet he is the same God who would bow the knee and wash the feet of his disciples. And he's doing that right now. He's washing you. He's washing you for whatever you need. He's, he's meeting whatever need, whatever hunger, whatever thirst you have. The Lord is meeting that right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for the the incredible gift of yourself. We're so convicted at Easter. You did not send an angel to die on the cross for us. You came yourself. You did not send anyone besides you because you loved us so much. You came for us yourself. You rescued us yourself. And Jesus, there is nothing in your sacrifice that we want to go wasted, that we don't want to receive fully. And so Lord, for every Every person who may not know you in this moment, Lord, I ask that you would say in your heart with me right now, Lord Jesus, I believe you're as good as, as you say you are. I believe your word is true. You can be counted on. And you said that if I conf confessed and believed that you were the son of God, that you would come into my heart, you would change my life. And Jesus, I receive that. I receive that right now. I say yes to your incredible gift. And for all those who want a double portion of the Holy Spirit, and that includes me, Lord Jesus, I want more of your spirit. I want more of your power and your presence in my life and on the earth. I want you to overwhelm 
all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the division, all of the crisis, all of the sickness, Lord, I want you to overwhelm that in, in our lives, in our nation, in the earth. And Jesus, please come afresh. Do what only you can do. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are good. Your word is good and you can be trusted. Lord Jesus, we love you so, so much because you loved us first. So Jesus, thank you for loving us first. And in your incredible name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching. Thank you.